you go ahead and take a seat and turn your chairs this comfortably direction toward me if you're sitting with your back to me and we'll get started. Okay, I did bring some of my son's CDs. I have 35 of them here. If you'd like to get one, you can get one of these. If you have a CD player in your car or your home somewhere, you're an antique. If you, have, if you still have one of these, we, we still have one, but a lot of people don't. But just get one of these per family if you like. If not, I'll give the rest of them to some of the staff. I gave them some yesterday. But feel free to take that because I'd love to have you let you have some good music in your home. And I think that you would enjoy that too. Okay. All righty. Well, this is the first of a few sessions that we'll teach for you today. And I hope it's been encouraging to you so far. And we'll just go ahead and continue on. And this is going to be a little different today because I'm not going to talk as much. When I used to hear pastors say that, I would say, yes, yes. I remember when I was a kid sitting in church and hearing a pastor speak or something like that, and everybody watching their watch thinking he's supposed to be through at noon. And he'd just kind of like do touch and go landing as an airplane. He'd, go, he'd put it down. Well, in conclusion, I'd like to say this, but one more thing I'm thinking of here is I want to share with you this morning from this other book. Oh, man, land the plane. I felt so land the plane. It's 12. I mean, the Southern Baptists are making their second pass at the salad bar before we even get to that restaurant here. So come on, help, help me get out of here. So I know what it's like to feel that angst when you say, I got should be finished about now. So hopefully I'm going to do shorter thing today because I'm going to show you a little movie at the end. And the little movie's really amazing. So that's what you got to look forward to. You might not like me, but you'll like the movie. I know you'll like the movie for sure. Okay, here we go. <sighs> okay, then this, let's see, am I, what am I doing? Oh, yes. If I don't put this here, none of this works. So let's put this here. I actually forgot these pieces today, so I'm glad I remembered them. All right, here we go. Boom. All right. In our talks on stewardship, this one's called God Sees Your Stewardship. That's good news and bad news. How, how can that be bad news? If you're not a good steward, he sees it and is really not pleased. If you are a good steward, he sees you and do that. He sees you and blesses you and favors you and I mean, appreciates the stuff that you're doing to give to his kingdom and care for other people and serve them with a servant's heart and stuff like that. So let's get going right here. Well, I'll start out by simply saying this to you. Put this sign on the screen and say, what a year we have had with COVID-19 and you think about all the stuff that went on in our country and around the world, the pandemic with the mask, with the social distancing, the shutdowns, the lockdowns, virtual everything. I mean, it, it has been a rough, rough year. I can't imagine how it must've been for Gull Lake last year. I mean, in the summer, at least they said when they lost 165 reservations, they filled it back up with like 140 something of them. So they, at least they did okay in the summer. Matt in the back, let me ask you a question. Uh, the rest of the year, you said you were down a little bit in Gull Lake in retreats. Is that right? And that's what hurt you financially a little bit last year compared to other years. Okay. So that's like six months of income that normally comes in to help the camp function and help them go forward and stuff like that. So I, I, think, it, I think it'd be wise for all of us 
You might say, well, I paid good money to come here and I got my money's worth and all that. But to even think about it and process and pray and ask maybe the Lord, is there something else I should do to, to give an, a gift over and above the payment to come to camp that might help Gull Lake continue to go on strong? He said they did all right during the summer season, but boy, they struggled during the six months before the camp started for sure. And a lot of churches and a lot of Christian organizations, man, they hit the skids when all this stuff started happening. So here's the stats and the research that I've done for you, and I'll let you know a little bit about that. In most surveys of research done during the COVID, most churches uh, decreased by the time they finally started coming back to church at about 30% of what they were before COVID. So if you had 100 people in your church, how many came back after COVID? 30, yeah. You had 1,000 people, you got about 300 people that came back up to about 50%. About 30 to 50 was the average. Now, some stronger evangelical churches, maybe ones that you go to, wherever you're from and stuff like that, had a higher ratio than that. Like the one I attend in Greenville, South Carolina, probably came back at about 80, about 80, 85, something like that of what we had before. We used to have three services. Now we have two, which means we have some, something that's been cut back. So, but this is what happened. And a lot of churches begin to lose people. They just didn't come back. When they said, it's okay to go back, they said, nope, I'm not going. And uh, I went in a church recently. It's right across the street, kind of for the little small church that we go to in South Carolina. Across the street, just down about two blocks, is a large, large church with a massive steeple and a 30-foot stained glass picture of Jesus with his arms out like this. It's a really cool-looking building. And I had never been there. I said, you know what? I'm going to go visit that church and see how they're doing. So I just walked in. I walked in. There was nobody there that greeted me. Nobody. I just walked in, sat down, like 700 seats in this sanctuary. And about 10 minutes before it started, a few people more trickled in and stuff like that. And then one guy got up with a guitar to play, and he, he struggled a little bit. And I started looking around the crowd, and I counted the people exactly who was it there were 53 people there in a 700 seat auditorium now you could make that work at least they were all sitting on the first four rows but they were here one was here one was there one was here one was there one was here so you can imagine they're trying to sing you didn't hear anybody singing he's just i remember thinking well what are they singing and it just seemed like the most discouraging thing. It seemed like the pastor got up and tried to pump the crowd up, you know. Well, we're all here today. And I'm thinking, we are? We're all here? <laughs> all 53 of us? And if the stats hold true, they might have had, you know, maybe more than 150 people, over 100 people, 150 maybe, before this thing hit. But that's what it looked like now. Okay, now, when it looked like that now, then what we did is we said, well, let's do church online. So we'll do live streaming. And here's what I think about live streaming. I think it's an amazing blessing that if you're sick, you're absent, you're out of town, you can still watch the service live. You can get a picture of what's going on in your home church, even though you're not even there. I think that's a great thing. That's a blessing. But I also think it's a curse. Why do you think I think it might be a curse? Yeah, y'all are saying the same thing. Let me just speak it because I got the microphone, okay? People tend to say this now that they've done this for six months or however long, and they tend to say, you know what? We give online, so our money's going to the church, but we got three kids eating cereal on the couch, and I'm looking at them and saying, 
yeah, let's just tune in and watch this here online today. And they just are still doing it. They just keep on doing it. They've gotten into a habit and they just keep it up of not going anymore. And making sure that some of them, online giving is what saved churches during the pandemic. It really did. When you can at least give online to your church, if you can, if you have it set up to do that. If you're relying on simply passing the plate, I don't think your church would have survived. Most likely, if that's the only means you had to take an offering, you couldn't even make the payments on electricity and things like that. So online church is a blessing and a curse. And when I remember that I'm a steward of what I do and that God sees me, that means I think when it's time to open up the doors of a church again, I need to get going back to a church somewhere. And I need to have my attendance there. I need to show my support there. I need to be involved serving there in that church in some capacity, in community, meeting people I don't know, praying for people in the lobby, whatever it is that we can do in community that you can't do watching a, a nice uh, 65-inch TV in your living room. So I would hope that you guys, if you've not yet kind of gone back when you're able to, and I know in Michigan particularly, it's been shut down a whole lot more than it's been shut down where we live, a whole lot more. And so it's probably been tougher on people in situations like this. Now, also when the pandemic came, how many of you had some degree of COVID-19? Let me see your hands. How many of you? Okay. How many of you did not? Raise your hands. It looks like to me about six, 75, 25. Okay, so 75% didn't have it, 25% did, okay? I unfortunately won the prize, and I had it. So I caught it, I got it. Now, when I got it, it, here's what it meant for me. That meant I had to spend a lot of time at home. I had to be quarantined for 14 days, couldn't go out, go to church, go to work, go anywhere, do anything. So I had to stay at my home, and for me, that was a lot of boredom, but I did get a lot of sleep, I did get a lot of rest, Mine was pretty mild. How many of you would say my case was pretty mild? From a one to 10, it was less than a three or a four for me. Let me see your hands. How many of you say it was over a five for me? It was a little more tough one. Yeah, and so that's what's weird about this thing. It can be like a minor cold or it can kill you. <laughs> so though between those two extremes, it can be anywhere in the extreme too. That's what's, and of course, everybody was so fearful when it first came out that you're gonna die if you get it. That was kind of the message I received. And so when I got it, I said, oh, well, guess I'm going home to glory soon. Becky, get ready to live as a single woman now because I've got the COVID-19. So when I just lay down in my bed and I quarantined and my wife never got it. You know, we just put up an imaginary quarantine barrier between me and her for two weeks. And I ate in the dining room by myself and she ate in the kitchen by herself and we slept so far apart in the bed, we dared not even touch each other whatsoever. So we, you know, we're way over here on the corner. She could have made me go to a different room, but she said, I don't, you're all right, we'll be fine. So, so at least she did not make me move and go out of the house or do anything for two weeks, but she never got it. So I'm grateful about that. But here's what happened to me. When I got bored about this, I got kind of depressed. I mean, I got things to do. I've got places to go. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, after two or three days, it wasn't too bad. But after about, you know, 10 days of this and 11, 12, 13, I got kind of depressed. And so what I did just to try, I mean, there's only so many TV shows you can watch. If you're going to be up and wanting to do anything when you're quarantined in a bed, 
or read a book. But you, that hurt my head too much. So, but then what I started doing is I started putting on my headphones and listening to Spotify music. Spotify, Apple iTunes music, probably the two largest, you know, file sharing music departments in the, in the world. And so in Spotify, it has something very interesting because I was asking myself this question as I was laying in the bed. The question I was asking me is, where are you, God? And I just felt like God had kind of abandoned me. I was praying to get out of here sooner rather than later and feel it better, better than tomorrow than I am now. And that wasn't happening. And so I was kind of complaining and I was kind of in a, what I would call a little bit of a depressed state. So I put on my headphones and Spotify has something called Discover. What that means is each week on Monday, they put out a whole list of songs based on what you previously listened to that they think you might like. Some new stuff you might want to listen to. So if you listen to country music and praise music and opera, that you would be a weird person if that is the music you listen to on that spectrum. But if you did, there'd be a few operatic songs, there would be some country and there'd be some praise music in that Spotify Discover. It's about 25, 30 songs. So I put on Spotify Discover and was just laying in the bed, having a pity party. Where are you, God? I'll just listen to some music. Mine probably goes 80% praise music on Spotify. So when I started listening to this, one song came on and it absolutely blew me away. It, it blew me away. It sounded like, you know, most songs are three, four, five minutes. This one kept going and going and going and it kept going. I'm thinking, how, how long is this? And it was some spoken word and it was some singing and some spoken word and some singing. And then I realized this is probably a soundtrack to something, a play, a movie, a TV, something, a show. I don't know what this was, but it absolutely blew me away. It reminded me of a production that we've seen several times in Lancashire, Pennsylvania, something called the Sight and Sound Theater. Has anybody ever been there? Let me see your hands, okay? Is that worth seeing? Oh my goodness, it's the largest theater in America doing Christian and biblical plays. When they do the story of Noah, there's a 65-foot ark on stage. I mean, it's, it's stunning. When the flood of Noah happens, animals pop up and animatronic creatures all over the auditorium from the sides and the walls and everything like they're leaning over. The way the, the lighting is going and the music, I got seasick. Sitting in a chair. <laughs> I felt like our boat was, the chairs were moving. They weren't moving at all. But it's a powerful impact of the music in that theater and the visuals that happen there. It's just, it's like an amazing experience. And that's what I felt like listening to this song. I said, this must be a play from the Sight and Sound Theater. And so I didn't know what it was because I wasn't, I was just listening. I finished the song. I picked it up. And at the end of the song, I was crying in, my, in the bed. I had tears in my eyes. And I said, Lord, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Would you please forgive me for thinking you don't love me, you don't care for me, you hadn't healed me yet. And I'm just going to trust you about this, and I'm not going to worry about it any longer. I'm not going to try to control the situation anymore. You know, I'd forgotten all my truth about stewardship stuff, hadn't I? I wasn't a steward of who I was. I wasn't a steward of what I was doing. <laughs> I was complaining. That means you're not a steward when you're complaining. 
So I was losing my stewardship, hold on life. And all this is going on. And I had forgotten. I felt like I was forgotten by God. But I was reminded in this song, a very important thing, that one of his character names is this. And it's El Roy. Say that with me out loud. El Roy, and that means the God who sees me. Say it again. El Roy is the God who sees me. And that was one of the names used in the song. And I thought, huh, God sees me and he sees my stewardship. Not in a very good place right now. I need to bump that stewardship back up and trust him because I've been worrying and I've been complaining and I've been trying to control the situation. When any of your time you're doing that, you're not being a good steward of who you are, what you have, what you do. So that was what was going on. Now, I found out that song was the soundtrack to a very short film done by Kathy Lee Gifford about four characters in the Bible that felt exactly like I was feeling. I was alone and forgotten. And these characters in this Bible story she talked about were alone and forgotten. And so if you've ever felt like this, that's exactly the way I was feeling. This woman in the, in the film, the first person in the film, her name was Hagar. And when Hagar is the story of Hagar, it's the story of Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. And God told him they were going to have a son. But Abraham was very old, about 100. His wife was about 90. He looked at her. And you said, I'm going to have a son with her, I mean, God, the Mayo Clinic said she can't have children at that age. She, she is way beyond that happening. And so God didn't answer anything. So what did Abraham do? He said, hmm, I'll try to help God out in this situation. So he got her maid, handmaid named Hagar to come in, had relations with her, and she bore a son. He said, well, now I helped God out. Now I did what I was supposed to do. And God was in heaven going, that's not my plan. That's not what I wanted you to do whatsoever. And it's a pretty sad situation. She was this Egyptian slave. And now she's pregnant. And when she's pregnant with this child of Abraham, Abraham, Sarah got very jealous and he sent her away and she was so mad at her that she left and went out in the desert pregnant. And she was thinking, I'll just go out there and die. It's not worth being here because I think I've done something wrong. She was sad. She was alone. But God sent an angel to appear with her and the angel appeared to her. Here's what he said to her. It's pretty amazing. Look at this. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, oh, where have you come from and where are you going? And then I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. Oh, I bet she's thinking, I can't do that. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much they will be too numerous to count. She thought, Wow. Angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. He's going to be a fierce warrior. And the people that he fosters, I mean, have from his, come from his, his lineage are going to be fierce warriors. And that's what he, she prophesied, he, the angel prophesied to her. And then she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. 
you are the God who sees me, Elroy. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. When you see God, he's been seeing you long before you ever turned your eyes toward him. People often say, I found the Lord. <laughs> Wonderful. He found you long before you ever, you ever found him. He was looking for you and he knew your name. And when you finally agree to that and you turn, he's been looking for you. He sees you. He loves people. He wants to call people to himself. And that's what's going on in this story. Pretty wild story, really. Now, here's some interesting things about her. When you think about what happened, she's the only woman ever to receive such a promise. She's the first person noted in the Bible to be visited by a divine messenger who is an angel and the first to be given a birth announcement like this. Unlike Abraham, though, who did as he was told without comment, Hagar bursts for, bursts forth in praise and joy because that God sees her and at least knows her and tells her what to do and she's going to obey and do whatever it is he tells her. She praises God with all of her might. My son Aaron, I told you, who is a worship leader, says this one time. He was leading worship at a camp and he started strumming his guitar and talking. He knows the scriptures really, really well. And he's quoting various scriptures and he's playing his guitar. And here's what he says to these campers. He says, I want you to sing with me because there's only two times you need to praise the Lord. And all the ears perked up and said, what are they? When you feel like it and when you don't. And he kept on strumming. <laughs> and every kid was sitting out there thinking, well, I guess it's time for me to praise God because I don't feel like it. Spiritual-minded kids will say, yeah, it's time to praise God because I'm ready and I'm feeling it. There's only two times to praise God, when you feel like it and when you don't. She might not have felt like it out there in the desert, but she did. And boy, did she ever do this. And Hagar was not given any dominion over the Lord by calling him the God who sees. He, it was almost as if she said, regardless of what other people may call you, to me, you are the God who has seen me. In my distress, and you came to my aid. And so, have you ever felt forgotten by God? Have you ever felt discarded by God? Like you used to use me, and now it seems like you're, the heavens are silent when I pray. Have you ever felt abandoned by God? Hagar can feel your pain. That's how she felt. She really felt like this, and you felt like this maybe before too. She wasn't plan A for God, because sure enough, Sarah would get pregnant and give birth to Isaac in her old age miraculously, and he would become the father of the Jewish people, and Ishmael would grow up and become the father of the Arab people. And both, she kind of considered herself being plan B here. And maybe, maybe you felt like that too. You feel like you're only a plan B, or you're an innocent bystander in the situation you find yourself in. It was none of your own doing, but now you're in a situation where you just ask yourself questions. Perhaps you wonder, if how you feel or how you are matters to anybody. And if that's true for you, a lot of people feel that way. So take heart when you read her story because the good news about God is this. God not only saw Hagar, he sees me and he sees you and he loves me and he loves you with all the love you could ever possibly imagine. And so that's what we'd say is the gospel. That gospel is the good news, and it's kind of like this. He loves you enough to die for you. Now, if you're at a camp like this, I would assume that, you know, 99.9% .9 of you here are believers in this. 
uh, you understand this and you've got saved when you were younger, or older, or given your life to Christ and your kids, many of them have or not quite yet have and will and because you're raising them in a Christian environment. That's true for me. I was raised in a Christian home and came to faith in Christ when I was only six years old. My wife was not raised in a Christian home. When she was a teenager, she got saved at age 16 at a camp where we all attended together. So it, 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 you know, whatever age it is, the gospel is encapsulated in John three sixteen, the most famous verse ever probably in the Bible of all time. And on the screen, you can see how the gospel is contained right in that verse. Here's what it says. It says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. That's John three sixteen. So at a camp like this, maybe you've not done that before. And if you want to talk to me or talk to one of the leaders in our camp here, one of the workers or anybody else can show you how you can be sure that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, that your sins have been forgiven, that you're on your way to heaven when you die, that now you're saved and have a, can have an amazing, happy, God-filled life now on this earth till you take your last breath. We would love to share that information with you. Some of you that have done this have never been baptized, never been baptized by immersion. One of the most beautiful things is that I immerse people in baptism here. I don't know what day. What day is it? Today? Okay, they do it today at 4.30. So let's be, I'll be out there. So at 4.30, you can go out there and watch people get baptized. You might say, I need to do this here. I need to be, this is a marker in my life of being saved and baptized. And I hope some of you will do that. Now, when God saw her, he had eyes for her pain and loneliness. And when God sees you and your pain and suffering, he does the same thing. God is there for you. He has a future for you. He has a hope for you. And he'll use everything to accomplish his will for you. So the name she gave to God, this name, El Roy, is a beautiful name, meaning you are the God who sees me. Jacob and Abraham end up naming a place where they met God at that particular place, but she did something different. She decided to give God himself a name based on the character of his, of, of his heart that she sensed at the moment. And God accepted that, I believe. And when I see that, I say, Hagar, how bold you are. What did God do for this, this woman, this desperate woman? He gave her instructions for her safety and for her well-being. He told her, return, you're gonna have food, you're gonna have shelter, you're gonna have help for the pregnancy, you're gonna be people around you that will come and you'll have encouragement, and I believe Sarah will forgive you for this, and there will be a son born to you named Ishmael. And later, he would become the father of the Arab nations. Well, I'm gonna show you the film, and I heard an expression in the film I had never heard before. So I looked it up and felt like, is this in the film? I mean, is this in the scripture? I mean, Kathy Lee Gifford, who did this film is an amazing lady of God. Some of my dear friends that walk through the Bible have been on Holy Land tours with her and said she knows as much as most of the guides that they have ever met in Israel. She knows the Bible that well. And he said she was just a jewel of a lady to have. Well, she spent a lot of her own money to produce this film, doesn't charge anything for it, and just gets it out for people to see all over the world. But there was one scripture in it. I, I mean, they said something. I wasn't sure it was in the Bible. But I looked it up, and it was in the Bible. I should have known better. Walt told me she knew the Bible. And so these lines that were given must be there, but I didn't know it. So in the concordance, I looked it up. And here's the verse that, that I did not know. Zechariah says, I will be to her a ring of fire all around, declares the Lord, and I will be the glory in her midst. So this is a little short film. It's only 12 minutes. 
It's done by Nicole C. Mullen. So as she's singing and talking about these characters in the Bible who feel exactly like I felt when I had COVID, exactly like this little handmade Hagar felt when she was feeling, feeling all alone. If that's true, you'll identify with one or more of these characters as you watch this short film. So let's watch it, and then we'll do one more thing at the very end, okay? of bread 
But now she had heard an inner invitation to come and taste and see. And so she vowed herself to her mother-in-law and said, Where you go, I will go. Where you lie, I will lie. Where you die, I will die. And she begins a journey to the promised land. She's traveling through the desert. And she's leaving her despair. She's hoping for And he would reveal, 
And then he had an encounter with a woman named Mary of Magdala, who was plagued by demons, tormented by evil spirits. And Jesus set her free. And Mary followed him. She listened at his feet. She served him. And she loved him. Oh, how she loved him. But then she watched as they nailed him to the cross. And as they placed his body in the tomb, in that moment, her hope died. It died. She's crying in the garden. you'll just extend your hands, I'll pray a blessing over you to receive this truth today. Father, for every hand that's open, I pray that you will get fresh eyes to realize you've been seeing us all along in our brokenness, in our heartbreak. In the good times, in the bad times, you still see us, you still love us, you still call us your children, 
You say you'll put a ring around our finger. Oh, my goodness. How precious is that? You'll put a song in our hearts. You'll put a ring of fire around us and our family. We pray for protection in all the families from all the people here at Gold Lake that are with us this week, that you keep them strong and even help them maybe show this little film to them and help them to see how important it is to trust in a God who sees and who cares and has always been there and always will be until we take our last breath. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, dope. Well, that, that, was, uh, that was made entirely in Israel. That waterfall you saw was in Gedi. That's the place that they use for the name when you go and worship God on 930. If y'all haven't done that yet, make a, make a point. I know when you got little kids at home, you, you got to get them down in bed and stuff like that. It might be hard for some of you, but to slip over there, boy, it's just a way to wind your evening down with God and see the band here plays a beautiful songs for you to sing along and just to sit quietly if you want to and worship. And it just kind of clears my head and heart from the day and gets me prepared for the next day. So I really think the guys do a great job. And when I saw that, that reminded me of so many places I've seen. How many of you have been to Israel? You have been before. That reminds you of some places you've been to and seeing some in the wilderness. And that's pretty cool. Simply, you can get it on YouTube. It's called The God Who Sees. And I hope that you knew. How many of you seen that before? You had seen that before. Anybody? Nobody had seen that before. Wow. Okie doke. Now you have. How many of you seen it now? Yes, yes. Okay, uh, you can spread that and spread it around and let other people see that film. Because when I was laying in my bed and I just heard the soundtrack, I had never seen the movie. Boy, I just said, God, you see me and you're not through with me and there's still a lot of left I have to do. So there's still a little gas in the tank here that maybe I can go forward for a few more years here. And so I'm not giving up. And that really picked my spirits up. Okay, now we have a little extra time on this day and they say to have this extra time so we can you can got, ask questions to me about anything you want to ask. Something I've said, something that you want to say, I, I don't care. But if you want to say something like that, we'll do that for the next maybe 15 minutes or so. If there's something like that, don't forget you can get one of the CDs from my son up here on the way out when you leave in a little bit later. But anybody got a question? Any question you have at all that I can answer for? Yes. How did I get into the hardware store? It's not a hardware store, but it's an appliance store. Okay, but how did I get into the appliance store? That's a pretty cool story. Uh, I, I've been a pastor all my life in pastoral work. I worked as a youth pastor, then I became an associate family pastor, and then I, they sent me out from there to start a church with 12 people from that church, and I became a lead pastor of a place called Crossroads Community Church. We met in a high school. And uh, we grew to about 400 people in the high school. Then we brought some pop property, 20 acres. We moved the church there, grew to about 800 people that were in our church there. Then I felt like God said to turn this church over to my associate pastor. And so I turned it over to him. I was about to leave because, you know, like in the NFL, if a new coach comes in, where does the old, old coach go? Out the door. <laughs> That's right. And so I'm thinking probably not good for the old pastor to stay here. And he said, no, I would like you to stay here because you've been in ministry longer than I've been alive. And maybe you can help me. I said, well, I'll try. I'll, I'll try not to try to, you know, be pushy. And, stuff. and so we worked out fine for that. And so I was in that church situation. And uh, 
at that time we had a mission trip we went on and the owner of the hard not hard i'm gonna call it a hardware store now the the owner of my appliance store said i'd like to go on a mission trip with you guys and so he was a friend of the me and the lead pastor guy and so he went with us on our mission trip to haiti and he loved our people he loved the team that we were on. He said, man, this is great. I love you guys. He said, I have, a scene, I have a company and I have an old person that's an old pastor that's about in his 80s. He just passed away. And I wonder if, if your church would send one of your associate pastors over here each Wednesday to teach in, our, in, my, in my company, do it in the devotional every once a week. And so we said, yeah. So I went once, Rich went once, some of the other staff went a few times. And finally, the lead pastor said, Steve, why don't you just go all the time? over there so i volunteered to do this for about two years and so i went over there each time about two years then there was a shift in the leadership of the church and then i was kind of told by the next leader that i should go half time not be full-time employee anymore they were going to make some cutbacks and stuff like that and so they wanted my salary to be cut in half and to be a part-time role and to start doing something different so what i started doing is working with the senior adult ministry we had about 100 senior adult seniors in our church adults and so I started working with them and loving that had a lot of fun with those people we took them to Israel with me on a trip we did some fun things together with the seniors and that was going great guns but when it went half time like that half salary I went and told the guy at the hardware store no, no it's not it's a flying store I told the guy at the flying store you messed my head up oh my goodness I went to talk to Mark Lynch who's the owner of the store and said I may not be able to work here anymore because I might look for a part-time job and I just wanted you to know that. I may, I, I'm not sure. He looked straight at me and said, well, what if we paid you to be a, on our staff here as a company pastor? And he said, well, what did you lose in salary? So I wrote down a little number on a card and I gave it to him and said, I lost that much. He looked at it and said, <laughs> he said, we can do better than that. <laughs> and then the next word he said was, why don't you pray about that and get back to me? Here's exactly what I did. Watch carefully. I've got the paper. Here's what I did. God said, yes. <laughs> There's some things you don't have to pray long about. <laughs> the only time I'd ever done that before is when I was a young pastor in ministry, and my grandfather told me this. Our church was taking a trip to Israel, and I was only about 22, Becky, or something like that. I was a young, young guy, and when my grandfather found out about it, he said, I heard your church is wanting to take people to Israel. I will pay your way if you want to go. You pray about it. That's, I, I did that very same thing to my grandfather, <laughs> took his money and went to Israel. Man, had a great trip. Been three, three times since. So anyway, so when I, he said, yes, you can start here. So I work Monday, Tuesday, half a day Wednesday. My weekend starts Wednesday at noon, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But I work two and a half days. This half-time job, but he pays me almost like a full-time job. He's very generous. And he started this company with his father, and it's been in business now for 64 years. It started out in a very small store. Then they bought like a Home Depot-sized building, a Lowe's hardware, you know, Lowe's building. Hardware store, yeah. I know there's hardware, there's hardware in there somewhere. There's a hammer somewhere stuck in it, left in that room. I mean, we could... So we bought this massive store, and he t half of it's a warehouse, and half of it's retail sales. And he built that business up, and God has blessed his business because he's a Christian businessman. It's like a appliance store that's like Chick-fil-A. We're not open on Sunday. We close at, at 6 o'clock. Uh, we, don't, we don't stay open. People in our industry tell us to survive. You have to be open from 9 to 9, seven days a week. We're open at 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., five days a week and on Saturday close at five o'clock so our guys can go home and be with their families and we're not open on Sunday 
but they do more business as an independently owned store like this of any place as far as we know in America. So it is absolutely an amazing place. We have about 250 to 300 builders that use us exclusively for all their appliances. So our trucks are going out, 12, 14 trucks are going out all the time delivering stuff. And then in our store, we have about 30 salesmen, about 100 employees. And when I do the chapel on Wednesday, about 80 or 85 people show up out of the 100. It's voluntary. You don't have to come. So about 80, 85 show up. And we've taught through stuff like you're hearing here. I do messages. I get to study and prepare and teach different themes and stuff like that that our people need. And I get to disciple these guys. We have warehouse people and we have drivers and we have executive and office people and we have salespeople. So out of all these people, they're all like a great family to me. And I get to go down and work. And all the guys in the warehouse are often people since Mark Lynch, who's our owner, he struggled when he was younger with his father. He's a believer, but he struggled with addiction and he almost went to prison. He was standing before a judge knowing for sure I'm going to jail. And the judge said, I'm going to have mercy on you. And that's the thing that turned Mark totally around to really give his life to God because he stopped him from going to jail. So now as an owner of this company, guess who he hires? He hires people with prison records. He hires people that are addict, have come through addictive, you know, recovery center stuff. We have a place we support called the Miracle Hill Men's Ministry and Overcomers and stuff like that. So if you go through that and, come, and you're clean and sober, he'll give you a shot. He'll give you a chance to come work with us. And so he hires a lot of people like that. So I get to minister to a lot of people like that in counseling and helping and coming alongside and loving those guys, being back in the warehouse. Then when we're busy, I get to be on the floor. I'm not a salesman, but I can sell you anything in that store because I've heard all the vendors talk about how to do what's the best washing machine, refrigerators and all this. I know all the sales stuff and lingo to say. So when you come in my store, if we're real busy, I might help you. And like if I'm saying, if here's this Michael and Angela, my, my daughter and son-in-law, if they came in, I didn't know them from the moon, nobody's helped them. Because if we got 25 salesmen and 40 people are in the store, some people aren't being served. So I find those people just because it's huge. You can get lost in this store. So I walk, we do furniture, television, mattresses, and bedding. So we sell four things. So I'm walking around and I find a couple and what are you looking for today? Washing machine, come over here, I'll show you. First thing I say is, you've been in our store before? Nope, first time in here. Oh, you'll love it, you'll enjoy it. I think you'll have a great time. Let me show you some things and I'll show them what I have. I said, if I were you, what do you want? Top load, front load? I want top load. Oh, let me show you what I have and why I want it. What we have. And I show them what over here, Speed Queen. It's the best washer and dryer made. It'll last 25 years. Everything else might like as a warranty of one year. This has a five-year warranty. So it's great. So I, I'm going to sell them to you. So you hang around here long enough, you'll go home as speed queen, washing and dryer. But then at the end of the conversation, I always say this. And they say, okay, we'll take it. And I said, well, that's interesting because I'm not a salesman. And they go, huh? And I say, I'm really the company pastor, and I give him my business card that says I'm a company pastor. And, and then here's what Mark Lynch, the owner, tells us. If they just say, okay, just go ahead and get me a salesman, don't say anything else. But if they ask any question, you can get into any spiritual conversation you want with these people. Not one person has ever said the first thing I just said. Everybody says, what is a company pastor? Or is this a Christian company? Or I've never met anybody in a, in a store that has a pastor for an employee that knows as much about washer and dryers as you. I said, there's probably not one anywhere in the country that I know of. I don't have an association of guys like this that I run around with. So 
then I move on to the next person. But listen what I've gotten to do. Just by having a conversation with these people, they'll often say something like this. My daughter has leukemia. Will you pray for her? I'll say, let's slip over here behind the refrigerators. Come on. <laughs> I'll lay hands on them and I'll just pray for that child to be healed. One guy came in with a certain spiritual need. He said, I need to talk to you as a pastor about, and he named me, named, told me something pretty personal. I said, let's go over and outdoor furniture. And so outdoor furniture, I sat over here for two hours counseling this guy. He was crying when he left. He said, I came in to buy a bed. He said, and, but I got more than I came in for. And he hugged me when he left. So that's the real world I get to live in. It's the most fun of a job I've ever had. I've worked as all kinds of roles in pastoral church world, but I love this job. Now here's what's interesting about it. I never once as a kid, adult, ever thought, I just wish, <laughs> I just want one day before I die to become the company pastor of a hardware appliance <laughs> store. Please, God, you see me? I want to do this. Please. Never ask that question, ever. So I tell you that to tell you, wherever God takes you in the twists and turns of your life and stuff and what you do, just roll with the punches. And I love this job. It's so much fun. That answer the question? Here's, here's, how, here's how many sales we did. On Memorial Day, Monday, is a, we do big sales on Labor Day, 4th of July, you know, Mon, you know Labor Day. But, but on Memorial Day, we almost sold $1 million worth of products one day off the floor. So our salesmen are credible. They, some of them have been there 20, 25 years. It's an amazing guy. It, he's a steward. Mark often starts out our chapel and when he talks and stuff, he says, this is God's company belongs to him we're his stewards we're asking for his blessing and favor on this company and we're going to honor him and everything we do integrity you're going to get honesty from our sales guys not a bunch of fluff if we mess up we're going to take care of it make things right for you we've got that reputation all over the country with people that we'll do the right thing by you whatever it is we have to do to fix it for you we do so that's just, that's the story we're from that's my story and i love it good question i may answer a lot longer than you wanted but any other question? Yeah, let's go back here. What's your, what's your question? Let me, let, me get, let me get right here. Huh? 100 miles. Sorry. As far as we go, too bad. Question? Okay. Yeah. 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 And what is your name? R Ryan told me he has a company too. We talked a little bit earlier about he's wanting to have a chaplain and some things like this happening. Do you see that more as a growing movement as the church seems to be declining in a movement? Not necessarily do I see it. I'm not really outside my own store. I don't, I know of a few people who do something similar, but I'm not a part of any network of, you know, chaplains or something like that. So I really just don't know. Do any of you have any companies where you live where they do have a person like me working? Anybody? You see, it's not really growing much, <laughs> apparently. So I, I don't know if it's growing much or it's just that this businessman said this belongs to God and we're going to build a chapel. We have a chapel in our building. It seats about 100 people. 
it's got AV set up just like this and stuff. And so I get to speak. I don't know. But I think the church generally is in a decline because a lot of young people are jettisoning the faith of their families because they think it doesn't have anything to meet their needs. They're being so swayed by who, who's the God of this world? Satan, the Bible says. God, God says Satan is the God of this world. So they're following the God of this world, not the God who supersedes Satan. And one day we'll take it all over and make it right. But for now, it's becoming... Here's the interesting thing. The Bible says it'll be worse and worse and worse and worse as the times go by. At the same time, the light can shine brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter the darker and darker and darker it gets. So you got these two congruent things happening at the same time. Brighter light can be shining while it's getting worse and worse and worse. But you think it's worse now than it was when you were kids? In the culture, in the world? We talked about this morning with some of our kids at the family time about some of the things that are going on and stuff. And one of the ones they talked about was the philosophy nowadays is your truth is good for you, but it's not my truth. Every Truth is just personal for what I think is truth. You see these bumper stickers that say, guess what? Coexist. You know, I mean, the same God of the Muslims is the same God of the Hindus, is the same God of the Christians, is the same God of the pagans and the shamans and all that. It's just, it's just all one big, all roads lead to God. It's kind of like the Oprah Network kind of philosophy. That, that's kind of, you know, what, road, what path are you on? What, what God do you believe in? No, that's, that's called relativism. There's absolute truth. Jesus did not say, I am a way, I am a truth, I am a life. As long as Confucius is a way, Buddha is a not. No, no. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Boom, boom, boom. He, he said it. It's not what we say. It's what God said. So I'm going to believe him, but I don't know the answer to that question. Churches generally are in a decline some others are growing and new churches and younger churches are sprouting up some older churches are dying because they haven't made some shifts to try to reach a, a younger generation and they hold on i think way way too long that church i'm talking to you about in greenville i don't see how it can't do anything but die unless they do something to merge or help or bring in a younger congregation because when they, when they get to that point my aunt was in texas in this church becky and i attended it when we go, went home to texas to see it it was doing the same thing they had a choir loft it would seat about what do you think 80 people 80 people in a choir loft and they had 12 people in the choir they had this was social distancing before anybody even knew what social distancing was there was one there there's like three people on the back row you know 10 feet apart then there was one there 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 and they were trying to make it look like they were in a choir said, this is the weirdest looking choir seats 80 people and 12 people standing there holding that church is given over to a different church now because it just it was gone not enough people left to keep it going Okay, another question. Stand up and talk a little louder. Okay, yeah. Yeah. How about that? Well, that's good. There will be a remnant and there will be uh, churches can still be in revival and particular cities and pockets and churches that are still seeking God with all their heart. I still believe all that can still happen when the light can go and things can go and grow and move, move forward. Absolutely. Anybody else? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, 
Okay, secular and Christian education, okay? Uh, some of you have kids in public schools. There are public schools, private schools, charter schools, and then Christian private schools for, for kids. And so our kids are at home schools are probably here from one of those kind of a situation. What I say about that is that's an individual responsibility between you, your husband, your wife, and God. Y'all pray, you decide, this is what's best for my family, something like that. And then don't criticize other people who make a different choice than you. Now, some public schools still have some semblance of faith and allowance of, of some of the, and, and getting rid of some of the wild and crazy stuff that's being forced upon other schools. And so some are worse than others. You might be in a situation where the public schools got still got some decent people, some godly people that are involved in there and they don't push some of these way out left wing agendas. OK, but and you might but you might say, you know what, I'm going to put my kids in a charter school, which is a little more controlled or I'm going to put my kids in a Christian school where I think they'll get a semblance of my faith. My three kids. I went through the same Christian school from K-4 to 12th grade. It's called Southside Christian School. I was working at Southside Baptist Church. The rule was you work at the church, your kids go to the school. They made this decision for me. And, but I would have made the same decision. And they all went to the same Christian school. Then when they left, they did not go to Christian schools per se, Christian colleges per se. Uh, they went to Furman University, which used to be two of the boys, which was like a former Southern Baptist College, but they, the Baptists have since, you know, disassociated from them. But there were a lot of Christians still on the campus. There were a lot of Christian groups. My son Aaron did something at Furman called underground worship. So what he would do is he would find a professor that was friendly to him to give him a key to the building at night. And he'd find a big lecture hall and they'd go in at night and open that building up, bring in all the musicians and all the equipment and kids would pack into that thing and they'd worship to midnight on the campus. You ever go to that, Adam, or you? Yeah. And Mick, Becky and I went one time. What did we say after going one time? It's too late for us. <laughs> we don't want, we can't stay up to midnight. You know, we turned into pumpkins or something. You know? <laughs> we thought it was great, but we went once and said, leave it to the young people. We will, it's too late for me. But they would pack that thing out. And then when they get caught, they'd find some other guy who'd give them a key over here. <laughs> so they would just text people once a time when they had a building where it's going to be. And these kids just, so there was great Christian influence there, but it wasn't a Christian college. But I'm going to talk about tomorrow a little bit where I went to a Christian college. And I'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow, too. But I, I, I would think particularly in a day and age like this, at least at least consider some Christian education for your kids in the midst of some stuff that's going on. It just looks like, oh, boy, it feels like it's trouble to me in a lot of a lot of school systems. OK, good question. Anything else? One more? Yes, Tom. To keep the business going when I'm gone? When who's gone? Yeah, his son is being raised up. His son is one of the head salesmen now. We have four or five assistant managers. His son will one day run it when he's gone. But he's a, he's a tough nut, man. This guy, I, I call him blue denim and lace. He's as tough as blue denim for jeans, but he can be as soft-hearted and as tender as ever about people and their situations and stuff. So I think he's probably good to be there another 15 years at least. He's younger than me, a lot, a lot younger than me. And his son is, you know, I think coming along and he'll be an awesome leader of it. So I think it'll go on. Okay, let's just end today with this. Is that enough time? We okay? Okay, so let's just do this. I'm gonna show you one more song 
And this song is just a song that I love right now. It has nothing to do with the theme of the day. It has nothing to do with that. I just like it. And I like it. Here's what happens to me. When I listen to Spotify Discover and stuff, often I'll find a new song I haven't heard before. And that become my favorite until I find, guess what, later, about a week or two. Another favorite. And so I'll find another one that's now my favorite. This is my favorite for now. Next week it may not be. But anyway, I love this song because it says, this is what living looks like. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like when you become a believer in Christ. This is what heaven sounds like when we praise him, when we praise him. So I love the bridge of this particular song. It's done by Brandon Lake and I think Matt Redman. So I think you'll enjoy it. It's called We'll Praise Him. If you kind of, if they're singing along and you kind of pick it up and you want to sing along with it, go right ahead. This is freedom here at Gull Lake. You can sing. I might sing along myself. So let's shot that, let's shoot that one and we'll be done.
Is that your new favorite too, baby? Yeah, that's a great song, isn't it? Okay, don't forget when you leave, you want one of Aaron's CDs down here at the front. Get one per family if you like, and God bless you. It's been fun to be here with you. We'll see you later at lunch.